So as we turn to 1 Corinthians 16, 14, if you could please stand to honor the reading of his word, I'd appreciate it. It says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, that all that you do be done with love. God bless and honor the reading of his word, and you may be seated. Let all that you do be done with love. Well, it's Valentine's Day week again. It goes so quickly, and it comes so quickly. And every year when Valentine's Day comes, I talk about the four types of love. That's not what this sermon's really about. Not really. Uh, although I'm going to talk about that coming this Wednesday. The four types of love. And we know about them. There are four main types of love. The four types of love that we talk about every year is storage love. Storage love. These are the Greek phrases, by the way. Storage love is the type of love that's known as parental love and family love. That's storage love. The second type of love is filial love. Filial love is friendly affection, fondness, or as some would also say, brotherly love. Yeah, what are you talking about, Philadelphia? Well, that's the phrase they use, but filial love is brotherly love. And then there's eros love. Eros love. Now, eros is the name of a Greek god. Okay, we don't believe in all that, of course, but uh, the other name for Eros was in a, you know, the Greek god. They used it in Rome, and his other name was Cupid in, in Rome, was Cupid. And uh, he was the romantic, quote-unquote, god, uh, lowercase g, you know. But either way, he would shoot arrows, and so that's why they, his name is Eros. Either way, that Eros love means romantic, passionate love. That's what most people talk about in Valentine's Day time, you know, romantic, passionate love. But there's more than that. The most important of all these is agape love. Now, a lot of times people talk about this type of love, meaning sacrificial love, which is true, sacrificial love. And a lot of times the people of the world talk about sacrificial love as if everybody can have it. Well, they're wrong because it's true that you can have that type of love as far as family love and filial love, you know, friendly love. Brotherly love. But that's not agape love. Agape love is godly love. Agape love is godly love, the type of love that Christ has for us. He sacrificed everything for us. That's agape love. And that's very important. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about candy. And that's always fun. Candy, sweethearts. You know, you remember when you were a little kid and uh, at school and other places, they give you those little sweetheart candies. Uh, actually, this tie, I usually wear this at the Sweetheart, or the, or the banquet, what do they call it? Valentine banquet. I usually do, but I saved it for today specifically because it looks like those candies. It's got all those little things marked on them, you know, those little writings, and they were always in red, if you recall. Usually back in the day, they had red writings on them. And uh, turns out I found out a little history about those. They were called sweethearts. Now, I never did like the ones that were called sweetheart candies. Didn't care for those much. But the sweetheart candies, uh, I found out a little bit about them. You remember them. They had them, and they came from Necco candy. You remember the Necco, little Necco wafers they came up with? Well, here's what I found out. Those were created in 1847, the Necco wafers. The Necco wafers were created in 1847 by a doctor named Dr. Oliver Chase. He was trying to uh, make medicine. And so what he did was he made a machine. He made a machine that produced the medical lozenges, you know, you put in your mouth. And they made this dough is what they did. And this was supposed to be a lozenge or lozenge that you put in your mouth 
And that's what became the Neko wafer. But there's nothing on them. They just make different colors and all that. Well, what happened was he had a uh, brother, Oliver's brother, whose name was Daniel Chase, and he made this red food coloring, red food dye, and he started putting messages on these little wafers. And he started doing that in, um, oh, about 1866, about 1866 during the time of the Civil War. He started doing this, and, they, and the rumor has it, I'm not sure if it's completely true, rumor has it that there were romantic uh, notes being written to different soldiers. And so he saw this, and he thought it was pretty nice, and so he started writing it and, and printing them on the little Necco wafers and started sending them out to people to put a little bit of hope to people, which I thought was very nice and cool. And that was in 1866. And then eventually, in 1902, they started making them in the shape of hearts, and that's the candy that we ended up getting for Valentine's Day in 1902. So we knew that. And then in 19, uh, that was, but here's what happened in, in 2018. You wonder why you've had a hard time finding those, that candy? Because in 2018, they went out of business. For over 100 years, they were a, uh, well, something we always saw every year. But they went out of business in the sense that they went broke. So they were bought by the Spangler Candy Company, and they've made a lot of candies too. So now we can find them, but they're very rare. But there's another company that has what's called the Conversation Hearts. The Conversation Hearts, which is the same thing except a different company, and that's from Brock's. You all know Brock's uh, candy, right? We've, we've had that before. So anyway, that's why you have two different kinds. One was the original, the originator, and that was the, uh, the one from Neko. And then the other one was the one that was trying to basically compete, and that was Brock's, which I also love. That's from 1960. So we got two different kinds. Anyway, that was the kind of hearts, but that's not necessarily what the sermon's about either. It's not. The fact is, is they're both iconic, but one is the original, and they both made great candy hearts. But today's sermon is about something that's very similar, but not exactly the same. Today's sermon's called Candy Hearts of the Bible. Candy Hearts of the Bible. So what I've had passed around uh, are all sorts of hearts that you're going to find in the Bible. On one side, you're going to find the sweet candy hearts of the Bible, and you'll see that uh, they, they come from the Lord God himself. And on the other side, they're about hearts that don't belong to God, hearts that are lost. And we're going to talk about them because it's very important. And I pray and hope that each and every one of you belong to the Lord God. I drew these and got them done yesterday. And uh, I pray and hope that they will preach to you and speak to you. And hopefully you can use these to speak to your children and your children's children and to the children in your neighborhood and other people. You can use them online. I don't care. Just make sure that other people can use them, learn from them. That's what I try to do. Remember, I taught children for 25 years, and so I do everything I can to get people's attention. That's A lot of people are visual, right-brainers, and that's the important thing. Make sure your right brain is using right and correctly for the Lord God. So the first one, you need to remember, we need to learn, this is not on the page, but we need to learn about God's heart. What about God's heart? Well, God's heart loves us. How do we know that? God loves us so much that God came to this world in the form of his son. And we need to remember that. I'm going to stand up. I'm already getting excited. God loves us so much that he came in the form of his son. And people say, well, we have no proof of God. you got proof of God all over the place. He came in the form of his son. Where do we find that? Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 tells us this very thing. It says this in Romans 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God came in the form of Jesus and loved us so much that he died for us. But I deserve it. No, you don't. What you deserve is eternal damnation. Pastor, that's me. I know the honesty always is. I deserve to be dead forever. I deserve to, for eternal damnation. I know I do. And the fact is, we all do. But that shows you how great God is. He has a loving heart, as it says in Romans 5.8. He demonstrates, but God demonstrates his own love toward us, that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we need to remember that every day. When we look at the people of the world, we need to remember that we were that. And without Christ, we are that. Amen? And what do you have now because of that? You have a saved heart. That's another one that's not on there. You have a saved heart. Romans 10, 9. Oh, Romans is a great book. Where did he go? He went to Rome, where they were using some of these phrases that I just mentioned to you. Romans 10, 9. That if you, oh, this is one of my favorites, that if you confess with your mouth, Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Praise God, you're saved. Because, and this is the greatest verse, Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, 10. Because this speaks exactly how you're saved. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. And now we're going to get, now we're going to get into the verses that you see drawn in front of you. We're talking about a sweethearts. Oh, they're sweet. They're sweet because God loves us so much. In fact, if you look on that page, You'll see I put a picture of the actual original boxes from long ago. You know, my mom and dad were so sweet that they would get us these boxes. And they'd write to so-and-so and my dad being like he was. A lot of times I'd have mom write our nicknames. What was the nickname of me? Feebers. Dumb, I know. But that's what it was, Feebers. Still is usually. Feebers, Feebs. Uh, all sorts of other weird things. But Feebers, where did it come from? I don't know. Someone may, had a, said it one time and it stuck. And so therefore, I still keep called Phoebes, Fevers, all these I don't know. But it's okay. I've heard worse ones. So they would write the nicknames on there and then from mom and dad. And you could always tell when dad was writing it. I won't go too far onto that. Not that you could always read what it said. But you could always tell when he wrote it and mom writes so eloquent, eloquently and nice. But they'd write it on that box. So on this picture, you can see it says, to the saved by faith, my children, from God the Father. Folks, that's how God loves you. He doesn't look at you as just, oh, some people. You're his babies, his loved ones, lovelies. He loves you like that. Yes, you make mistakes. That's like when you're a parent. You have kids. They make mistakes. Sometimes you go, boy, I can't believe they did that. But you still love them. And a lot of times, and I know because I'm an uncle, I'm not a daddy, but I'm an uncle. And I think like a daddy sometimes when I see uh, some of the kids. You know, I, I still see them as babies. I still see them as little babies that I rock. It, I can't help but love them. I love them no matter what. Doesn't mean I always agree with what they say and do. But I just want to hug them and rock them and think about them as babies. That's how God thinks of you. You're his babies. He'll always love you. He'll never drop you and get rid of you. Mm -mm. He wants to rock you and keep you safe 
And that's why when the baby gets to kicking and acting ignorant, he may, sometimes God has to swatch you and say, stop it. Obey me. Because that's what a good mommy and daddy does. Be obedient. That's what we have to do. Be obedient children of God. Is it because he's a bad father God? No, it's because he's a good father God. So let's listen to the Christian heart now. The saved sweethearts. For the saved from the Bible says that God is with us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit's with us. So listen to what it says to you about the Christian heart. Galatians 4, 6. By the way, you don't have to do this, but if you want to, just write them by the little hearts, you know, by, write the little scripture by it. It might help you. I don't know. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, because you are sons, God has sent forth into our hearts the spirit of his son crying, Abba, Father. I'm going to say it again. Galatians 4, 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth into our hearts the spirit of his son crying, Abba, Father. Isn't that beautiful? You have Jesus calling out to the Father. And you do have the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit too to guide you and lead you. But Jesus lives in your heart calling out to the Father all the time. That's why you'll see the very first one with the Christian heart. I put a little bit of the Trinity in there so you know that they're with you all the time. They are. The only way we're not listening is because we don't want to. The second one is we need to have a loving heart. A loving heart. That's hard sometimes in this world of mess. But we need to have a loving heart no matter what. Doesn't mean we love what we see, but we need to love the people anyway. So what does it say in loving heart? John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 says it really well. Remember, it's Jesus speaking. I give you a new command, a new commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. You must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. This is my commandment, that you love one another. Amen? Love one another. That's kind of hard sometimes. Sometimes we focus on the negativity, and that's difficult sometimes. But we need to love one another. doesn't mean you have to like them, but you do have to love them. You have to love them. Yes, the world lies and says, if you love someone, you love every single thing they do. That's a lie. Well, let's look at the logic of that. If you, and I'm talking about the people who say this to you, okay, if that's the case, they have to love that you don't love them. <laughs> or don't like them, I should say. Right? If, if, if that's the logic of it, they have to love the fact that you disagree with them. Okay. Because their whole thing is, if you love me, you'll love everything I do. Okay, well, if you love me, you'll love the fact that I don't love everything you do. If that's the logic of it, Let's be honest. It's a stupid logic. Of course you're not going to like everything you do. I, I, was, uh, I once dated someone and more, but the point was is that they one time said that when you really are in love with someone, you're going to agree with them on everything. What kind of nonsense is that? No, nobody agrees on everything. Nobody agrees on everything. I, I used to say, jokingly, I used to say, well, nobody agrees on everything. No one's always right because not everybody agrees with me. Of course, I was kidding. <laughs> I was, I was kidding, of course. The only one who's always right is God. So when we read the Word of God, someone needs to change. And it's not God. We need to change. And sometimes we even get His Word wrong in the sense that our minds are not always in the right place. Amen? I'm talking about myself, okay? 
Okay, so we need to have a loving heart. Love one another. Love one another. Be his disciples. Have love for everyone. The next is have a giving heart. Be giving of love. Be giving. Be giving. That doesn't mean give up every single thing you have all the time. I've been a sucker. People say, God says to give, give, give. That doesn't mean give every single thing that you have so that you're out on the street. No, you have to use some wisdom too. But we need to be a giving heart. That's the third one. Be a giving heart. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Let every man give according to the purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know about the rest of y'all. I like Christmas. I'm a Christmas man. I like birthdays. I like to, Sometimes I just like to give to give. I love to give. doesn't matter when. I just like to do it. In fact, I have a gift I'm going to give someone today, and I just can't wait. And uh, to me, it's just fun to give. I love to give. Give, 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 give. It's fun to do it. Now, uh, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm the size of Santa Claus. I don't know. But I just enjoyed giving to folks. I just enjoy it. You know? It's fun to give. It really is. Uh, be a, a cheerful giver. Now, I, 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 when I say cheerful giver, don't be like, here. But I used to also be with someone who used to say, you used to literally say this, I hate your birthday. Boy, that made me feel good. <laughs> I hate your birthday because I hate getting you stuff. And I was like, wow, that makes you feel like garbage, don't it? No, the truth is we should be cheerful givers. God wants us to give to him cheerfully, have a loving, giving, loving, cheerful, loving heart. Give with all the loving heart in your life. And that leads us to the next heart, a joyful heart, a joyful heart. Proverbs 17.22. Proverbs 17.22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine. Ah, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. So I'll say it again. Proverbs 17.22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. We need to be joyful, don't we? And our heart be full of joy. How do we have joy? By having Jesus Christ with us. Because no matter what happens, no matter what happens in the world with our job, with our family, with, other, with no matter what, when you have Jesus with you, you know all is going to be well. And you know what happens with that? That means I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? That's right, down in my heart. I got the joy. I got you. <laughs> down in my heart. <laughs> got the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. The next one. Need to be a wise heart. Job talked about this when all of his friends were around him and saying that they meant well, but they were ignorant and they were saying things they shouldn't. So Job 9, verse 4, Job chapter 9, verse 4 says this. Talking about the Lord. He is wise in heart and mighty in strength, who has hardened himself against him and prospered. That's a question. And prosper? The point is, is we need to be a wise heart. Be wise. Don't fall for any little nonsense out in the world. Don't do it. Be wise. Be joyful. Which leads us to the next one. You need to be thankful heart. Be a thankful heart. Psalm 9, Psalm 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will declare all your marvelous works, Psalm 9.1. Thankful heart. You need to be thankful. That doesn't mean we're always going to love and think what we're going through. We're not always going to like it. I don't always like what I'm going through. 
But I'm thankful that God is with me. God is with me all the time. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. God is with me. Whether it's good in the world or bad in the world, God is with me. Whenever your job is giving you struggles, God is with you. As long as you're following God, God is with you. Now, some people say, God is with me. And this is whenever they're doing something horrible outside of wedlock. <laughs> when they're looking at something they shouldn't be looking at. When they're cheating and all these other things. and Lying and all. God's with me. Okay. God is there. But are you with him? So, I'm in God's will. Eh, listen, <laughs> you, I'm not saying you're losing salvation. You can't do that. But here's what you can do. You're not following the Savior. If you're doing something the Bible says is wrong, stop. Turn back to him. God is with us. Be thankful in our heart to follow him. Because we want to have the next heart, a clean heart. We need to have a clean heart. Or where do we find that in the Bible? Psalm 51. Verse 10. In Psalms 51, verse 10, it says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Create in me a clean heart. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's a great one. And I don't know if you can tell by looking at that heart, it's very clean. It's clean. Real clean. I don't know if they had to put cascade to it or what, but that's a clean heart. Very clean, sparkling even. And then you know how to have a clean heart. Don't go into the things of the world. Go to the Word. Go to God. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my past, especially, that I've done things that aren't right. And then I like, I don't know. Some doesn't feel right. You know why it doesn't feel right? Because you're not doing right. And the way to get a clean heart is to get right. Clean it out. Go to God. He'll take care of it. God's not done with you. Don't be done with him. He'll take care of it. Clean that heart out. What's the next heart? Have an upright heart. That's Psalms 32, Psalm 32, verse 11. You're going to find a lot in Psalm and Proverbs, I'll tell you that. So Psalm 32, verse 11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous one, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Be upright. Do correctly. Be correct in him. Be upright. Stand correctly. And with that, we have the next one, which is diligent heart. Be diligent in him. Stay forward with him. Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.23 says we need to be diligent. Keep on keeping on. Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of of life. We need to be diligent in our heart. Diligent to follow God. Man, there's distractions all over the place in the news, as, as the song said a while ago. There are distractions. There are people who want to keep us off of the Lord. Get your heart with God and stay with God. Otherwise, our heart can be broken into a million pieces. But moving on, moving on, we need to have what? A pure heart. There's two verses for this. The first one's Matthew 5, 8. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus said this on the uh, Mount of uh, the Beatitudes. When he was up on the Mount, uh, when he was talking about the Beatitudes, he said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
We need to be pure in heart. Stay away from the things that will distract us. Stay away from the things that uh, are vulgar of the world. Sinful. And we know, by the way. We know because our spirit tells us so. Amen? Deep down it tells us deep down. We know. A lot of times people say, if you have a God still loves me, that's not the point. Do you still love God enough to stay away from those things? 1 Timothy 1.5. 1 Timothy 1.5. Now the goal of this command is love from a pure heart and from a good conscience and from sincere faith. We need to have a pure heart. Stay pure with the Lord God. Stay pure. You know what it means to be pure. And what's the next one? A trusting heart. You know what it means to trust. What does it say in Proverbs 3, verse 5? Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now, I quote this one quite a bit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. This is important. We live in a world, once again, distraction. They try to tell you to listen to the scientists. By the way, this is not against the science teachers, okay? You know, But they tell you, listen to the scientists. They know more than you because they went to 500 colleges. I don't care. Did they create the world? No. Did they know more than God? No. But you don't understand, Dr. Whistlebridge says, I don't care what Dr. Whistlebridge says. But Professor Better Than Thou, I don't care what Professor Better Than Thou says. But you don't understand, that guy's better than looking than you. Well, that's not hard. But I'll tell you this, just because a man looks better than me or has been to a million uh, colleges or looks really good with a bow tie doesn't mean a thing to me. They didn't create me. They didn't create this world, and they know nothing. But, Pastor, you can't prove that God created the world, and they can't prove that he didn't. So until they can go to God and ask him themselves, and they can't prove a thing. But I know one thing, I don't have to answer to them. I only have to answer to him. But pastor, what if you're wrong? Well, I don't care. I only know the Lord God himself in my heart. And I don't have to answer to them. And neither do you. Isn't that nice? So I have a trusting heart. My trusting heart is in the Lord God. I trust him with all of my heart. But Philip, you're being naive. No, you're being naive. You're listening to the Professor Witzelbrises and all those other folks. I'm going to trust in the Lord God who I have to answer to. The great thing about all the surgeries I've gone through and all the doctors I've gone to, one thing is true. All of us are going to end up in the same place. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. One day, all of us are going to end up in the same place. Dead. Now, that's not nice. It doesn't sound like it. But it's true. All of us are going to end up fighting for our lives. All of us have the same fate. Not here. So either you're going to answer to God by saying, Hello, Father. Or you're going to say, I should have. And me personally, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to fall down and say, I trust you with all my heart. Thank you, Lord God, for forgiving me. He's going to say what? Welcome, my good and faithful servant. How about you? So that's the next one. The next one is desires of your heart. What does it say in Psalm 37, verse 4? Psalm 37, verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, 
and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what's the desires of your heart today? What's the desires of your heart? If it's the things of this world you can have for a short time, then it's gone. You know, I have a weakness, quite a few. One of the weaknesses I've had is sweets. And this time of year, just like every time of year, it just depends on the, the month and the calendar. They, they try to sell you chocolates. They try to sell you, and they'll bring it in a, in a plastic that's shaped like a heart. And I had a wonderful person on the church day bring me some chocolates, and it's in a little heart, and that's so sweet. But here's the truth, literally sweet. But here's the truth. If I don't correct myself, they'll be gone in two seconds. But they're gone. No, the point is, is I have to be very careful with that desire. Not that it's wrong to eat those, but you don't want them eat, you know, taken over you. So the pr problem is, is people have different desires. And there's desires in this world. And if people don't let God be their number one desire, their desire will take them. And that's a big problem. A lot of people have that. And then they end up at the end being brokenhearted. And that's the next one. Brokenhearted. Psalm 34, 18. Psalm 34, 18. What does it say in Psalm 34, 18? The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the contrite of spirit. Maybe there's someone right now watching at home who's brokenhearted and feels so alone. God is with you. He loves you. He knows your sorrows, your brokenhearted, you feel so alone, but you're not. He's with you. And in fact, maybe you're the next heart. A troubled heart. Maybe you're a troubled heart, but listen to what it said in John 14, verse 1. And Jesus was speaking as he was speaking to the disciples, to the apostles. Now, he was with them. He's having the last supper. And he was speaking to them. Uh, he was about to leave, and he told them that. But he said, Jesus said in John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also. So we need not to be overtaken by a trouble in our heart because we know that Jesus is with us. We can believe in the Lord God. We believe, believe in the Lord Jesus because we believe in God. He's one and the same. And with that, we can have our next heart, which is a strong heart. Now that on the picture looks a lot different. You can see a big strong arm with our heart around it. And on that arm, you can see that the muscle and the strength that we have is not ourselves, it's someone else. Psalm 73, verse 26. Psalm 73, verse 26 says this. My flesh and my heart fails. Oh, this is true of everyone. I love this. My heart. Let me say it again. My flesh is Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart fails. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion. We know that on our own, we're going to fail. Our heart and our own strength, we're going to fail. But don't worry about it. Because the strength of God, if we lean on Him, we make our heart go forever. Praise the Lord. And with the Lord God, we can have a protected heart. As it says in Philippians 4 7. Listen to what it says in Philippians 4 7. Another one I see a lot. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will protect the hearts and minds. Through Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will protect your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Through who? Christ Jesus. That's right. And only through him. 
And last but not least, and there's two verses on this in the same uh, psalm, Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verses 2 and verses 10. We talk about having our whole heart to the Lord God. Your whole heart. Wholeheartedly, not half, as some Christians do. Some Christians go half-hearted, only partially, and that's not good. We need to have our whole heart towards the Lord God. And it says this in, in Psalm 119, verse 2. It says, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies and who seek him with all their heart. Amen? What does verse 10 say? It says, With my whole heart I seek you. Do not allow me to wander from your commandments. With our whole heart, with all of our heart, we need to seek the Lord. Now on the other side of this picture that I've given you today, we find that there's other conversation marks for the lost that are in the Bible. Before I go there, let me talk to you about the Word of God. The Word of God is given to us and fed to us through the Holy Spirit. And in that, we have a couple other hearts. Now, they're not on this page, but they're talked about a judging heart that we can have because of the Holy Spirit. And it's a wonderful, a wonderful heart, a judging heart. As it says in Hebrews 4.12, For the Word of God is alive, and it's active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine, excuse me, to the division of the soul and spirit and joints of marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intents of the heart. That is what the Word of God does. It judges our intentions in the heart. The Word of God can tell us what's right and wrong. It goes to our heart and divides what's right and what's wrong. This is why the Word of God is so important. It divides and tells us what's right and wrong, and it tells our heart what we need to do. And God likes to test our heart. God tests our heart all the time. It tells us this where? In Psalm 26, verse 2. Listen to what it says in, in Psalm 26, verse 2. It sings, examine me, O Lord, and test me. Try my affections and my heart. God wants to try us and try the heart. God weighs the heart. That's what God does. He weighs our heart. Proverbs 21, verse 2. In Proverbs 21, verse 2, it says, every way of man is right in his own eyes. What does it say then? But the Lord weighs the heart. As we said earlier, lean not to our own understanding. Because we think things are right, but God weighs the heart to make sure what's right and wrong. So now to the conversation hearts for the lost. These come from the Bible, too. There's conversation hearts. Now, the first one, the first one is the saved heart. Now, that sounds weird. That sounds really weird. And I'm talking about the lost hearts and put a saved heart on there. But there's a reason for that. Because there is a scripture that tells our saved hearts, you wonderful Christians with your saved hearts, it says our saved heart needs to be prepared to have a conversation with the heart of the lost. And it does. It tells us to be loving and kind. This doesn't mean to accept everything that the lost person does. But to love them and be there for them. Not to be mean. And this sounds so horrible, but there are so many Christians out there who are sometimes judgmental. Or they come off judgmental. Sometimes they don't mean to. Because sometimes the lost wants the Christian to come off saying, everything's a-okay, when it's not. And we can't be that way. At the same time, sometimes we're like, you're going to hell and you deserve it. You can't be that way either. No. 
There needs to be a balance. Remember, salt and light. You need to be balanced. How do you do that? The Holy Spirit. Let the Lord do the talking. In other words, I'm talking to me now because I don't want anyone to say, you hear what the pastor told me to shut up? No, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. <laughs> Sometimes, shut up, big boy. Shut up, fella. Let the Holy Spirit do the talking. This is time for you to zip the lips. Pray and let the Holy Spirit talk. Let your heart be weighed by God so that His words come out. That's hard sometimes. That's why you need to listen. And this comes to me. I need to listen to what it says. In 1 Peter 3.15, and you can take this to heart, because Peter was a loud mouth. Why does that hit me so hard? Peter was a loud mouth. He was boisterous. He was a cursor. He was hard-headed. Sounds a little too familiar sometimes for me. Peter was like all of us. We could all be Simon Peter sometimes. But listen to what it says. 1 Peter 3.15 But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Listen to this part. But with gentleness and respect. Oh, oh, gentleness and respect. And this comes from loudmouth Peter. He was a loudmouth before he was saved. He was boisterous before he was saved. God changed Simon made him Peter. My point is, is that just because you can be boisterous, just because you can be unloving, just because you can say everything that's going in that mind of yours, doesn't mean you should. You're so preoccupied with whether or not you should, you didn't stop, or you could, you didn't stop to think you should. We have to be calm and cool and let God do the talking. Let that heart of love be seen and let the cross be seen. Remember, we represent Jesus. Let the saved heart speak to the lost. Because the lost heart, as you can see in the drawing, the lost heart looks unhappy and mad because that's the lost heart, dead and unsaved. Let's, what does the, the Bible say about the lost heart, the unsaved heart, the dead heart? 2 Timothy 3.15. 2 Timothy 3.15. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. Through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that have to do with the loss? Well, it has a lot to do with it. The people know the scriptures, but they don't know him who are in the scriptures. So they know of it, but they can't determine it because they don't have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. You have Christ. They know of him, but they don't know him personally. They've heard them. John 3.16 is quoted more than any other scripture, but they don't recognize, they don't understand it. What does it say in John 3.16? Well, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That gets said so much that people just say it like the back. Well, I, got this, I just did. The problem is, is if you really take it in, it sounds like they're saying God loves us so much that he gave Jesus to all of us and go to heaven. That's not what it's saying. It's not saying that everyone's going to heaven. It's saying that we can go to heaven if we ask Jesus to save us. But many people think it just means if we believe that he exists, that we're going to heaven. That's not what it's saying. That's not what saying But it's important. What was another verse? Another verse for the lost heart. Okay, I got one for you. Jesus said this in John 6 53. John 6 53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless 
you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And in other words, unless you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you're dead. You're dead. You have no life in you. So many people are walking dead, and they need Jesus. That's why they need a loving heart of God. What other hearts do the lost have? They have a deceitful heart, Jeremiah 17.9. Jeremiah 17.9, they deceive the heart. The heart is more deceitful than all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? It's desperately wicked. They have a hardened heart, Mark 6.52. Mark 6.52, a hardened heart, for they had not comprehended the miracle of the loaves for their hearts were hardened. That's why they couldn't comprehend what God had done. This is the disciples, by the way. This was the apostles. They couldn't figure out what was going on because their heart had been hardened, and they couldn't figure out that God himself was there in front of them. And this one, this next one, I spoke about about two or three weeks ago. They were, we, the lost have, are cold-hearted. Cold-hearted. Now, in the picture, this looks like it's a shivering heart, and it is. But cold-hearted means that they're hard, and they don't want to take in the truth. Well, what does it say? What does it say? Cold-hearted. Well, it says this. Proverbs 14, 17. And this is from the version called The Message. It says, the hot-headed do things they'll later regret. The cold-hearted get the cold shoulder. Get the cold shoulder. Luke 21, 34. Be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and anxieties of life. And that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 12 about the cold-hearted. Because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. They'll grow cold. There's so many cold-hearted people who don't want to hear about God. They're so cold-hearted towards the Lord God. And it's sad. It's so sad. So many people have an unloving heart nowadays. Oh, they love the things of sin, but they don't love God. They don't want to even hear anything about it. Oh, they don't mind loving people living in sin, but they have an unloving heart besides that. 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love. And they have a foolish heart. Now, I won't read all this to you right now, but if you read Romans chapter 1, 21 through 32. Romans 1, 21 through 32. It talks about the foolish heart right there in there. It talks about people living like fools, turning away from God, living in sin. It talks about homosexual life. It talks about all sorts of sinful life. And it says that their hearts were foolish and they turned away from God. I would read it, but we just don't have time. But I will read this to you. Proverbs 18, 2. A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Because a fool, and by the way, it's a fool who says there is no God. It also says in the Bible. It's a fool who turns away from God. It's a fool in the heart who turns away from God and seeks their own way and delight. And one more heart, one more of the lost heart. A stone-cold heart. Stone-cold heart. It's a stone-cold heart from Ezekiel 36, 26. But there's good news in this scripture, too. The stone-cold heart says this in Ezekiel 36, 26. Also, I give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put, I will put within you, talking about a new heart, 
and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. So yes, the lost have a stone cold heart, but God is willing to give us a brand new heart. At one point in time, you had a lost, unsaved heart. You had a dead heart. You had a deceitful heart. I don't know what age you were, but you had a deceitful heart. At least I did when I was a little boy. I had a hardened heart for certain things. Cold-hearted you were. Unloving heart you had. A foolish heart you had. And a stone-cold heart you had. But God gave you a new heart. We need to pray right now for all the people we know, even those that's hard for us to love at times, hard to like. But we need to pray that God will love you too. We need to pray for ourselves. We need to love ourselves too. We need to love, love, love. And let your heart be changed today. Let the love of God change you and all of those around you. And you'll be surprised how many people have changed because of the love of God that they can feel through you. Because he's much greater than you. And we'll go to prayer as I close with this scripture. John 14, 27. As he said this to his apostles, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Now as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Let us bow in prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this wonderful day in your house. Lord, I pray for all the children of the world right now, for all of the children, Lord, who know you, I pray that you'll continue to change them, mold them and make them, Lord God. I pray for a whole new generation of Christians, Lord, that they will become brand new, Lord, for you every day. Change your hearts. For those of us, Lord, who know you, right now I pray you change our hearts daily. For those, Lord God, who come today, those who are guests, I pray, Lord God, that you will continue to be with them, Lord. Allow your will to be done in their lives. For those, Lord, who, who are here every week, I pray that you be with them too. Show them what changes need to be done in their lives. I pray, Lord God, that you do that for all of us. For those, Lord God, who are feeling ill today, I pray that you help them physically, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that no matter who we are, that you will help us not to be seen, but to allow you to be seen in us and allow your love to be felt through us, through everyone around us and, Lord, even in ourselves. I pray this in your holy, precious